Today is Tuesday, May 4th, and you're tuned in to the Too Fast Podcast, where the future farmers and agricultural specialists are serving you the weekly scoop on the world. And I'm your host, Candle the Farm Plug. This podcast is brought to you by Tuskegee University's College of Agriculture, Environment, and Nutrition Sciences, Tuskegee University Cooperative Extension Program, and Anchor FM. We're currently available on many platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Breaker Audio, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, and Radio Public. In mid-April, when President Trump declared that he was instructing his administration to halt funding of the World Health Organization, Jimmy Coker did a double-take. Coker has seen the U.S. get behind before on its payments to the World Health Organization, though never to the degree that it has during the Trump administration. Amid the worst global health disaster of the past century, he notes that close to $200 million was already passed due the, the WHO. No country owes the World Health Organization more in annual dues than the United States. Another 3.2 million people filed for unemployment for the first time last week, bringing the total number of jobs lost during the coronavirus crisis in the last seven weeks to at least 33.5 million. An independent oversight board for the social media giant Facebook announced its initial 20 members today in a New York Times opinion piece. The company has faced criticism for its handling of issues ranging from user privacy to policing hate speech to stopping the spread of disinformation. The Oversight Board will make final decisions on whether specific content should be removed from Facebook. Our interview today is with Mayor of the City of Tuskegee, Tony Haygood. Mayor Haygood was elected as Tuskegee's mayor in August 2016. Haygood's civic service extends beyond the city to include appointments as the chair of the Alabama League of Municipalities Committee of Energy, Environment, and Natural Resources, a member of the Committee for Federal and State Legislation, and as a Goober National appointee to the state's Workforce Development Board. Prior to his election as mayor, Haygood served for four years on the Tuskegee City Council as, as councilman at large and mayor pro term. In his professional capacity, Haygood has for the past nine years served as an economic business development specialist with the Tuskegee-Macon County Community Development Corporation, or TMCDC. In this role, he promotes business and industrial development, coordinates housing rehabilitation projects, conducts entrepreneurial training, manages a business incubator with a community revolving loan fund, and has launched improvement efforts for community corridors. He collaborates closely with the Tuskegee University Cooperative Extension Program and as a member of the Booker T. Washington Economic Summit Planning Committee. His intimate familiarity with the community and surrounding county also makes him a valued advocate, tour guide, and planner for area tourism. 
And now for an interview with Mayor Tony Haygood. Well, I'm a citizen and a product of this community. And I think this had a great impact on me as I grew up. I went to school here and left and went away to college uh, in Memphis, Tennessee and finished in and went to grad school. But Tuskegee was always in my spirit and my background because I learned so much here and the experiences that I had here helped me in in developing me as I grew up in my interest. I always was uh, particularly interested in justice and serving people and seeing our people particularly get ahead because that's what I saw here and understood here that we're responsible to make a contribution. Uh, Tuskegee is so much about service and working with others and making a contribution based on whatever skills, talents that you have. Cast down your buckets where you are, take your talents and serve the world. So, you know, it's been an exciting opportunity for me. Uh, upon completing graduate school, I did an internship with an accounting firm with the big eight at that time. There was only the big four now, but I was with two Charleston company accounting firm. And then I, did some work with General Motors and internship when I was in grad school in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, Georgia Tech. But I came back here and then worked with the community college for a number of years, uh, eventually became president and served there for over 25 years, president of Southern Community College and I worked with the Tuskegee University over the last 10 years as a community uh, development, uh, business development director at the Tuskegee-Macon County Community Development Corporation. I became uh, joined on the city council uh, eight years ago now and uh, ran as city councilman at large, mayor pro tem, and I served there for four years, which was a good learning experience. And I realized some of the things that we need to do in Tuskegee and why some things we could not get done uh, and then how best to try to meet the challenges that we face in this community. Tuskegee is a tremendous place. We often forget that. Uh, it's a smaller community but with the university and the name that Tuskegee has built upon its great accomplishments of many of its citizens, we're respected worldwide and recognized worldwide. And anywhere you go throughout the United States, most people are gonna know something about Tuskegee or at least have heard of it and they have a positive response. I remember talking to a guy in a small town outside of Tuscaloosa, Northport, Alabama, and it's older a Caucasian gentleman, a farmer uh, who's into uh, deep in the farming and cattle and all that. And we were in the store buying something and he's heard us say Tuskegee. He said, Tuskegee, yeah, yeah, man. He said, Tuskegee's got great stuff down there. Y'all got one of the best vet med schools that, that I know about. He said, Auburn has a good vet med school. Tuskegee is one of the best. I mean, people, wherever you go, they understand and know Tuskegee. And so that's the excitement about serving here in Tuskegee because we represent so much that has been built up years ago by people who made contributions from various capacities that they served in, whether it was education, agriculture, music. Uh, you talk about different interests. You Tuskegee has created people who did outstanding things and were leaders in what they did. And they did it out of service, not just out of uh, any area of greed as you see in so many people or notoriety, they did it out of service. The Tuskegee Airmen, they weren't looking for notoriety, they were doing service but they knew what their responsibility was and how important it was. And that's why they stepped into the plate to do it. So I think that's a key thing that's impacted me within my career is that you recognize what Tuskegee is and what it means throughout the world. And uh, while we can be comfortable here in the uh, setting in Tuskegee because it's a laid back kind of community, it's a small rural community, but it's a powerful historical community that has done so much throughout the world. 
You were also Tree Farmer of the Year in 98 and the Married Farmer of the Year in 2005. Can you touch a little bit on that? What what were those accolades? What did they mean to you? And, and how did you even get in the mix of tree farming? <laughs> well, growing up here, uh, I came under uh, Mr. Burns, who's our scoutmaster. I, I was always enjoyed the outdoors. But Mr. Burns, who just passed last week, was a scoutmaster here for many people, taught us all how to swim and took us into the scouts and I achieved quite a bit in scouting. But it really got me into the outdoors and then learning about trees. One of our badges, we had to plant trees on Dr. Henderson's farm, who uh, Henderson Hall is named after on the campus. And we went out to his property and planted trees around his lake. And then I, I had a greater interest in understanding the roles that trees played and how it's a revenue source, but it's also uh, something that helps the environment. So I got more and more into trees and tree farming and outdoors. So as I got older, uh, working with my parents when I was full-time able to you know, work full-time and earn money, we put together and we bought a farm and basically turned it into a tree farm because we couldn't do large agricultural farming at the time because we had regular full-time jobs. As I got in that, I learned more and more about it. Everywhere I would, you know, every time I'd take someone out there to look at it or do a cruise, I'd ask more and more questions until I learned more and more. So in that process, uh, I got involved in a lot of forestry organizations. I was, uh, Mr. Um, Boyd um, helped me to become uh, chairman of the local tree farm committee for Macon County. And we participated in several competitions and we actually won the state tree farming award. Came in third place the first time we tried and the second time we actually won the uh, state championship in tree, as a tree farm planning committee for our county. So I just had a great interest in that and went on and, and into that. And because of my participation at different levels, uh, we became a treasure forester, then a tree farmer. And then when they came out to do the inspection, I was nominated and became tree farm of the year for the state of Alabama, which at that time in 98, I think I was the first African-American or minority tree farm of the year for the state. Uh, I kept doing other work uh, with gardening, tree farming, uh, demonstrations for young people. And so I got involved with the university. And as a result of my work with the university, I was nominated, our family was nominated for uh, Forest Merit Farm Family in 2005, I believe it was. And uh, they came out and inspected and saw what we were doing, the diversity, the different things that we were doing, not only with the tree farm, but with the vegetable farming and other things that we were doing in terms of teaching and sharing. And so we were able to be selected based on what we did uh, back in, and were doing back in 2005. And to continue today, I uh, try to assist as many others who are getting uh, plans done for their property, particularly at forestry plans. And if they're getting har harvesting done, I try to reference them to people at the university and throughout the community who can give them assistance. So it's just been an interest of mine. It's like a hobby. It's something I really enjoy because I enjoy the outdoors so much. And so the forestry and farming aspects of it just goes along with being outdoors. I'm trying to get more back into the farming aspect of it now, uh, looking at getting some more equipment and getting back into it like I was at, a, at an earlier time when we were doing truck farming. 
In 2016 of August, you were elected as Tuskegee's mayor and you were following Mayor Johnny Ford. And he was the first black mayor of a city with more than 10,000 people during the modern era in Alabama um, in 1972. So, you know, those are some really pretty big shoes to fill. So what was your outlook um, entering this new role as mayor and coming behind someone with such a historical impact? What the, the challenge was to realize that, as I said, Tuskegee is a tremendous and a historical place. And what Mayor Ford had done was um, outstanding in his accomplishments in terms of expanding upon what Tuskegee represented and realizing that and doing some things and what he did as the first black mayor of our city uh, and a city uh, is this size in, in that period of time. What I looked at was understanding what he'd accomplished and trying to build upon those accomplishments was a key thing that I saw. Where, where are we now when I came in office and what needed to be done to take us to another level? I had been on the council for four years, so I knew some of the things that we really needed to address because at that time we were losing population. Uh, we didn't have a lot of investment. We had more disinvestment and the confidence level in the growth of our community had kind of stalled. And so I just saw it as an opportunity to put some other ideas into place, but from my business background, I have an economic background as my minor. So I wanted to put some things in place that I thought could really get us started again here. Reach out to the university uh, administration and the students in particular and get them more involved because there was a time when the university community was split. They, uh, they called the, the community the, the uh, locals and the university kind of stayed separated. And that was not only administration, that was students as well. But I saw that we needed to bring that back together. So coming behind Mayor Ford was a challenge because he's such a um, powerful presence in what he built over that time. And while we went ran against each other, we came back to recognize that we needed to work together. And he and I have been working together uh, a, tr a tremendous amount over the last couple of years, particularly. We were down in Orlando uh, at the Missouri New Hurston Festival, where we worked together down there. We worked with the Alabama Conference of Black Mayors and the World Conference of Mayors. Uh, we work with other elected officials at uh, high levels because we know if we use our connections together, we can build more for our community. So it was a challenge, but I had to stay focused on what I know I needed to do and what I could do. Sometimes we can shoot higher than we need to. I knew what my strengths were, what my interests were. And so while I recognized what he had done and how powerful a personality he was, I also wanted to recognize what I could do within my setting and from my understanding and then work with him. And that's worked out very well. So it's, it's something that you have to put in perspective when you're coming behind somebody that has a, a great legacy and has built, um, has built a tremendous following. Well, if you work with them, if you can bridge that gap, then you together can go forward. And I think that's what we've been, a, been able to do, especially more recently. So when we think about development and community growth and just what we want to see or what Tuskegee wants to see Tuskegee looking like in the next 10 to 20 years, right? Um, people, there are a lot of different feelings around that. And so one of the biggest projects that you worked on happened back in 2018 when Tuskegee was competing for the Leonardo T100 manufacturing facility. Yes. And so I know that took a lot of energy and a lot of time just putting all of that together, doing that correspondence. But in the end, they did end up choosing a different city as their home for manufacturing. So what was the reason that they wound up not coming? Actually, uh, to be honest with you, Candace, it, it, it was more of a decision about 
the uh, vendor rather than the city. Tuskegee competed against numerous cities and out of some 40 cities, Leonardo chose us when they realized what the opportunity was here and the resources we had and how the community pulled together. So we went through a competition earlier just to get into the position that we were in to be in the final two, which is a major, major accomplishment for Tuskegee as a community. We just were out, uh, Leonardo and our bid was outbid by Boeing. And really I say outbid, I could say underbid because we still had the best packages. We saw it as we understood it, even up until the last two weeks before the uh, award announcement. Boeing was determined not to let somebody else new come into the setting. And they already had their facility up. And so they almost underbid that project in order to get it. Um, so that's how we were, uh, we didn't get it. It wasn't because of something that the city of St. Louis where Boeing was offered for. It was the fact that Boeing was willing to do whatever they needed to do to secure that bid. They didn't want a new player, so to speak, and Leonardo coming into it because we had formed a tremendous partnership with Leonardo uh, out of Italy uh, and we're really working to develop and strengthen our ties because Italy was where the Tuskegee Airmen had uh, flown and gone into that area and given assistance during the World War II. So it was a natural bond. And as they got more and more involved with us, we'd be able to put together a tremendous package. And while people didn't think we had a chance, we actually ended up being in the, one of the finalists, the final two in that bid. But Boeing just had a, a more of a sacrifice to get that um, than Leonardo could afford to take. Uh, at that time. But it was a tremendous effort in this community. The community came together in a very strong way. We highlighted the assets that we had in this community. We partnered with people all over the state. I, uh, for instance, I went down to Dolson two or three times to speak and talk about the opportunities there because they kept inviting me back to Birmingham, to other areas in the state where we had formed partnerships to show that we would be ready for this and how it could benefit this community and the communities around from tremendous partnership with the governor, uh, Senate, U.S. Senator uh, Shelby, uh, uh, Congressman Mike Rogers, um, Terry Sewell, who's not even in our district, and Martha Roby, not in our district, but they were all on board with us. So it was an opportunity where the community came together to really compete for this, um, for this bid. Unfortunately, we didn't get it, but it showed a lot about what our strengths and our capacities are. No one really realized um, what we were capable of from this community. But when we saw how we needed to put it together, the partners we need to bring into it, we were able to go out and pull people together from this small African-American community, Tuskegee, Alabama. What are some of the positive uh, job creation aspects that you were expecting from uh, the manufacturing boom that would have come with T100? Well, I saw, the, I saw the opportunity where we'd have more skilled labor coming to the community and higher paying jobs. Uh, for instance, we have a school of engineering here. Uh, you, they would have had to use a tremendous number of engineers. So that would have been an immediate pipeline for our school of engineering. Our professors would have been consultants for a lot of the projects that they needed over there. Uh, then you had jobs at all other kinds of levels that would have provided you know, uh, opportunities for people in this area whether it be service, transportation, uh, maintenance, all kinds of things out there. You had opportunity for Board of Education as they would have gotten an aviation training to work with young people to look at uh, careers in the field of education. 
So it was a lot of related opportunities that would have been attached to that. And that would have strengthened our opportunity to provide jobs here. There was concern as I had concern because that was one of the reasons I went to Italy to see for myself, we didn't want it to impact our environment in a negative way. And from what I saw when I went over there, that was one of the main things that I looked for, how does it impact the environment? The facility over in Italy where they had, had um, the uh, aircraft uh, in industry uh, set up was a small community and it was actually in an area, a very quiet area. So the pollution, uh, even noise pollution was minimal. We looked at what kind of products were produced and what, what had to be processed. And so from that standpoint, it wasn't something that we were particularly concerned about. The main thing you have to look at and when you talk about growth or whatever kind of industry comes in, and we've had several people to come to us with some ideas and talking about huge amounts of money we could make, but you have to look at how is it going to impact your community? What is the community going to be like after that? And if we get that opportunity, then how do we prepare ourselves for community growth? That's one of the things we have to look at. We want to make sure in whatever direction we go, that the entire community benefits, not one segment, not one small group, not one set of citizens or one set of business people. It needs to be some, done in such a way that the entire community grows and all of our citizens have an opportunity to be elevated as a result of whatever we bring here or allow to come into our community. And then on the back end, we have to make sure whatever impact that it has, it will be a positive impact far into the future. That's what was so great about the university. For over 125, 30, 40 years, we were looking at the university making a tremendous positive contribution in this community. The VA hospital came in as a result of the university and has had a, had a tremendous impact for a number of years. Unfortunately, they downsized some things over there, but for the uh, number of years, you saw a tremendous positive impact in this community as a result of the VA hospital. So we'd want to do the same thing with anything else that we consider bringing to this community. It needs to benefit citizens, provide jobs, and help us to grow in a way that we want to grow. And that has to do with us also sitting down to plan our growth into the future. So it stays, becomes and stays the kind of community that we want to have here in Tuskegee and Macon County. You know, as everyone is at home, um, kind of stuck inside with COVID-19, <laughs> right? Many media outlets have been releasing articles on the correlation of the Black community's distrust in the medical system, right? You mentioned the VA hospital and things like that. So, you, especially with the Tuskegee syphilis experiment, well, the Macon County syphilis experiments, I, I try to be more uh, careful about that. And you can also touch on that as okay. well. Yeah. So how, how, how is COVID-19 affecting um, the way that your, you, your staff are going about attacking the challenges that COVID-19 is bringing? And how do you see us overcoming this situation? Well, I think the key thing we're doing, we're going about it very cautiously. The key thing we see is to try to get the best information we can to address a situation that creates a lot of unknowns. Based on the syphilis study in the past, as you say, uh, we call it the U.S. government syphilis study, like you say, because it's not, it wasn't necessarily Tuskegee or Macon County syphilis study. It was the U.S. government that did that. And we know that that's caused a lot of us, a lot of our people to be very, very cautious in terms of uh, uh, participating with anything medically that involves any unknowns that have to be where you have to have uh, experiments or take medication or try something new. 
So we're, we're going about it very cautiously. Our number one thing we learned from that experiment, you have to get the best information you can, accurate information from people you trust. You have to go to reliable sources to know what's going on, then chart the direction as to how to get out of that situation. Like with this pandemic, it has a lot of uncertainty about it. So we're trying to move cautiously to protect ourselves as best as we can and keep our citizens safe. Uh, it's so, it, it, the difficulty here is the uh, coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, is not something we see, hear, or feel. It's hidden, it's there, and it's continually continue moving. And the only way you stop that is to distance ourselves and let it carry itself out. And that's a challenge to us, but that takes a certain level of discipline to remember to distance ourselves, the hand washing you can think about, uh, wearing masks and keeping a distance, but it's still a challenge to all of us, especially in the community where we're used to being close together, having parties, having cookouts, uh, picnics, hugging each other, greeting each other with affectionate hugs and, you know, that kind of thing. So we just have to constantly remind our, our citizens that for us as a, as a government, uh, all of us here working with our staff, uh, our city managers, uh, our utilities board, we meet regularly to try to decide how do we address this COVID-19 as it is impacted us. We have officials that uh, come on on different teleconferences or Zoom conferences where we get information from the state regularly, from the state health department, from the governor's office, from legal ministers. We get information from every source that we can in terms of how to progress and protect ourselves of where we are. We get good information from my emergency management director as far as how the cases are going and try to verify and validate what we need so we know how to move. We're looking at coming out of this economically. We're doing everything that we can to get the resources we can from the federal government that are being made available. We talk with congressmen like Congressman Rogers, U.S. Senator Doug Jones on a regular basis. We talk to them directly, not only at offices, so they're being very supportive in, in helping us to overcome this economic setbacks, and we try to make that available to our citizens, our small businesses, even our churches. As we come out of it, uh, Candace, I would say that um, cautiously coming out of it is how, how we're going to do it. I think staying healthy, trying to remind people to keep themselves healthy, those who are vulnerable, try to stay isolated as much as possible during this period. As we watch it, I think we'll see it burning itself out, so to speak, if I can put it that way. Or, or pay itself out. It only expands when it's able to get into individuals who are vulnerable. And that's where the risk comes in. If we can go through this distancing, let it take the numbers down in terms of the number of new cases, it will uh, sort of um, beat itself out, so to speak, or take itself out. And we'll see its impact minimized so where we don't have to worry about it, at least for a while. What advice would you give any young people that are interested in this field? Well, one, one of the things I would say, and I've experienced um, coming at an early age in the forestry and agriculture, when I would go around, I didn't see enough young African-American farmers involved and not enough young females involved either. So I would encourage anyone interested to get actively involved. Just don't sit on the sidelines and, and be a, a, quote, farmer, uh, in in educational sense, be an active farmer, learn from other farmers who've been out there. 
And like you said, learn from this experience that we, we're having with COVID-19. It's showing us how dependent we are on our farmers. We have a potential meat shortage right now because so many people are impacted by the COVID-19 in terms of the workers. So we want to localize. We should learn how to localize as much about farming as we can so it's within communities that we can serve. We're not so dependent on the Midwest for our meats or our uh, or other things that we need in our community as far as agriculture. Uh, I think that we need to recognize the opportunities that are there to learn and to grow and to improve. Technology has affected agriculture in a tremendous way. If we can learn the love of agriculture and match it with the technology, we can produce tremendous things, just like Dr. Powell did. It was his love of agriculture that went there to learn and apply what he had at that time that made him so great as the scientist and inventor as a creative person that expanded agriculture. And that's what we want uh, our young people to understand and learn. Tremendous opportunity out there in agriculture. From a political standpoint, politics affects everything. One of the biggest budgets in the United States is the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And the farm bill is one of the biggest bills every year that comes out. It affects not only farming, it affects agriculture, it affects uh, rural development in cities smaller than 20,000. So there's a lot to learn about how the politics of what goes on in this nation affects all of our areas, including agriculture. Um, and that's something I hope more people get involved in because by being there, you impact the policy that impacts how the resources are distributed or how the tax credits are given or which farmers are given assistance or who may be given contracts and instance. A lot of that is politics. It may not look like it on the front end, but I can assure you, Having been there and been inside some things in Washington uh, and at the university and working on grants, you find out a lot of it in the background is a hand of politics. And that's just part of what how we function in this country. So we're going to function at a level that's sustainable and larger than just our little small area that we do. And we have to be politically aware and help ourselves and other people like us uh, in similar situations, whether they're African-Americans or other minorities other uh, people of the other culture who are also in, in agriculture. People in agriculture have similar things and needs that they uh, work on together and some ways that they impact it in the economy. So we need to find uh, partnerships with whoever we can to affect our future. But agriculture offers us a tremendous opportunity. It impacts us in many, many more ways that we re recognize or realize in our everyday life. And as you get more into it, and you learn about technology, the research, you'll find out that um, it has not only great opportunities, but it, it can allow us to grow economically and put us in a position that gives us some level of independence. Uh, I, I say congratulations to my children now who are doing well. My oldest daughter's in Florida, and she's with the Board of Education, the tournament. My uh, daughter, Anna, just finished pharmacy school, so she's working to bring her here. My son, Trey is in um, Dallas and he's working. But a shout out to everyone who is accomplishing anything, especially the Tuskegee students. Be encouraged by the opportunity you have. Um, Tuskegee offers a lot. And if you look into the background, if you take in the history, if you understand the stories, like I was saying earlier, like even William Dawson uh, yeah, from a different area of music, and, and it's just so much there. And if you take that in, it'll impact you inside, then you can do more from where you are and whatever your career is. So I encourage all the students at Tuskegee, 
staff and faculty alike to continue to produce and know that their great expectations from the for this community and for our university and its community as a whole, just see Megan County. Let's move up to those expectations, whether it's in aviation, agriculture, music, science, um, entertainment, you name it, we can do it. TU is it, so TU. And you know. You no, know, you know. That's right. Thank you so much, Mayor Haygood. It's always a pleasure. Thanks a lot, Candace and Jamal. Y'all take care and have a great day. And it's uh, always a great day in Tuskegee, Macon County.